Hi everybody, this is Andy LeBeau from Commodity Research Group, and I'm joined with uh, Marty Stetzer, president of EKT Interactive, and this is our weekly podcast in which we're going to be discussing the EIA numbers, which were just released, as well as uh, some uh, pretty good market chat about what's going on in the uh, crude and products markets and some other things uh, surrounding uh, the, uh, the crude market. Marty, I think I guess we should start with the, uh, with the EIA numbers. I think that's a good idea. Hello, everybody. Good to be with you again. Okay, well, I thought the numbers were, by and large, pretty bullish. Crude stocks drew by uh, over six million relative to uh, market expectations of uh, only about a two and a half million barrel draw. Gasoline fell by 2.3 relative to uh, expectations of about a million barrel draw. Distillates came in line uh, down uh, about 200,000 and total stocks fell uh, another 10 million. And of course, the, the big number everybody's watching is uh, Cushing. Uh, Cushing drew another 1.2 million and is down to uh, 23.7 and uh, getting closer to the uh, mythical minimum uh, operating levels, uh, which we don't really know what, where that number is, but you know, people throw around 18, 16 million. But in any event, the, the market has... Uh, been obviously very nervous about about where Cushing inventories are. Uh, demand was uh, demand was good this week, so um, gasoline demand was was excellent this week. So that, that's that's showing a comeback, and diesel demand too was uh, was pretty good. And again, looking at the, at the refined products, uh, as we said, gasoline sort of looking. Um, still looks neutral to us. Uh, inventories are in good shape right at the uh, four-year average for a uh, day's supply. And distillates looks, you know, still looks constructive uh, at 30 days supply versus 37 for the uh, four-year, for the four-year average. And of course, days supply are uh, inventories uh, divided by the four-week average demand. And as I mentioned, total supplies in the U.S., you know, continue to draw uh, we're um, over uh, 120 million below uh, last year, but let's look at this day's supply number. It's at 57, uh, and 63 is the four-year average. So we're we're six days below the four-year average. Again, we're we're moving into uh, what I would call, you know, certainly more than balance. You know, we're moving actually into into a tighter. Uh, supply situation. Getting back to crude, we, we're continuing to draw down another 6.1. Uh, we're down about 13 million so far this uh, this month. And um, you know, we were looking in our monthly report, we were looking for a 15 to 20 million draw during uh, the month of July. We're going to get it. We're going to get it, and that continues to be uh, constructive for uh, for crude. And the reason. This week that we had a big six million barrel draw was was exports it was net imports imports were low but exports were uh, the records three million we got two point seven million this week and uh, you know as I, as I mentioned exports Marty what what are you seeing in the, in the on the used and export side 
Well, it's uh, interesting. It was brought to my attention by a great article in the journal on on July 18th, Export Boom Lifts Houston. And we had talked in one of the previous uh, talking episodes about the fact that the first VLCC was loaded, very large crude carrier was loaded here uh, off of Texas City. And there's now plans by Enterprise to uh, maybe even take a look at an offshore facility like the uh, Louisiana offshore port to start looking at exports. But the, uh, the, the key theme in the article was that the whole pricing world might change, Andy, because of, uh, of the fact that we really need to know where the pipelines meet the water, to quote uh, our friends at Argus. So maybe you can help uh, some of our new people to the industry understand how all this is going to play out vis-a-vis, you know, contracts and vis-a-vis the WTI Houston pricing, vis-a-vis Cushing. So how about giving us a little bit of a background on how that might work? Well, um, first of all, as you and I were talking earlier, I did earlier in my career uh, work on a Gulf Coast delivery contract for uh, NYMEX and, and also for the Board of Trade. And, uh, that was probably the 1980s. The timing wasn't right. The delivery mechanism wasn't right. And now, 30 years later, you know, it's nice to see that we're going to have a Gulf Coast contract. It's going to be delivered. It's WTI. Uh, it's going to be delivered at the uh, Magellan uh, Terminal in Houston. It's going to be a uh, futures contract similar to uh, the WTI contract at uh, Cushing. So, um, you know, dollars and cents per barrel, same value per, per tick, $10 per tick. And uh, I think it's going to be a, uh, it, it should be relatively successful because now uh, the Permian producers, if assuming that they have, assuming they have pipeline space, but the Permian producers will be able to use this contract to, uh, to lock in at Houston. Uh, currently, they're, they're using the um, Clearport contracts, the OTC contracts to do that. This will make it way easier. Uh, for them to uh, to do that, of course, there's also an ICE WTI contract, uh, which I assume they're they're going to uh, use also for exports. As you mentioned, Marty, this will be good for um, this will definitely be good for uh, exporters uh, who want to lock in a differential either against Brent. You know, you got the Houston contract, so it removes the basis risk from Cushing to uh, the Gulf Coast. And uh, for exporters, they'll, they'll be able to lock in the differential, again, either against Brent or even, you know, if they want to, um, there's, there's a Chinese contract. It's denominated in yuan, but nevertheless, you know, that, that may help as well. Uh, or any of the ICE, uh, some of the ICE OTC contracts or some of the uh, NYMEX OTC contracts. And, uh, you know, for the specs, you know, you can't, if you're, if you're a speculator, you can't use the OTC contracts, the Clearport contracts, you know, unless you have substantial wealth. Most, most speculators don't use the OTC. So they'll be able to use this contract to play ARPs against uh, the WTI contract or the brand contract or just, or just outright. So um, it should be, it should be pretty interesting. And again, I think it's going to bring the markets uh, a lot more clarity, which is what futures markets do, Marty. They bring, you know, they bring price transparency. 
So Andy, and speaking of transparency and differentials, is this going to kind of clear up the uh, the differential between Cushing and and the Gulf Coast? How is that done now when we don't have this contract? Well, I think it'll it'll definitely yeah you'll see what the the diff is you know what the the transport or wherever the market is you'll see what the uh you know what that differential is and of course for um cushing they'll be able to use this contract to to maybe lock in you know some of their southbound um right you know some of their southbound barrels so i think that uh you know that's yet another use for this uh for this contract yeah it's not in and of itself it's not going to solve any of the transport problems right right but, with no pipelines you know, we're still in the same boat right we still have to build the pipelines or uh you know get the rails going to get the trucks going but you know the pipelines aren't due until next year you know, so that, that's not going to solve the Permian, uh, right. you know, the deep, the deep discounts. But nevertheless, you know, there should be plenty of liquidity and uh, one, one would think. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is a pretty good, uh, th this will help uh, the trade, I think, immensely, particularly the Permian producers as well as the, um, you know, the, the exporters. Andy, that was terrific. I'm sure it's going to, I know it helped me. I'm sure it's going to help some of our listeners that are new to the industry. So what's next on your list you want to talk about? Well, Iran is, is yeah, let's talk about Iran because uh, Iran is uh, clearly coming to the fore here in, in, the, uh, in the markets. Uh, there were the tweets back and forth between uh, Trump and Khamenei's uh, response, which, you know, I, I think one can, pretty much ignore at this point. But what's important and what's going to really, um, what the market will be watching is the negotiations between the EU and Iran. Uh, the EU is still trying to sol salvage the JCPOA, uh, the nuclear agreement, uh, and will be negotiating with Iran over the next couple of weeks. And they'll probably be able to postpone those negotiations until until November when the sanctions take effect in the, in the first week. But you know, should, should they, should the EU and Iran come to an, come to any kind of agreement, that would, yeah, that that's going to have an effect on uh, how much Iran is is uh, going to export. Uh, we're still, you know, trying to speculate where the, where those numbers are going to uh, to fall out on. But the the other key point is if if they fail, you know, I, I think for certain if the if those negotiations fail. I, I think for certain we'll see some moves by Iran later this year, um, which could serve to destabilize the uh, the region. They can't; they're not going to block the Strait of Hormuz. But the, the, we we may see some some uh, some actions by Iran. They've done that in the past. They've attacked our ships. Uh, they've attacked shipping in the in the uh, in the Straits uh, and the other, which obviously the market is going to be nervous about. And clearly, the other the other factor is how much how many how much exports are going to come out of uh, Iran. So, even though these tweets might need, mean that much, you know, we've got to keep watching their, uh, Iran. They're a key factor uh, in the uh, in the markets. As is where Saudi comes out. 
the Saudis told OPEC they were going to increase production by 500 in June, uh, saying they'll keep it at July and down 100 in uh, August, which is, I think is a little bit less than what the market had uh, expected. Kuwait and the UAE production is going up. Russia, Russia doesn't have a whole lot. Uh, that it can provide to the uh, to the market. So, you know, the market looks pretty, um, you know, pretty tightly balanced. I mean, we, we may see a surplus in the in the uh, third quarter. We probably are because the Iranian barrels are still coming. But as we head later in the year, you know, it looks like it could get uh, it could get tighter and tighter and add some uh, geopolitical. Um, geopolitical problems uh, later in the year. But for the time being, we look like we're just trading in a, in a range right now. The market's looking for, um, you know, a little more clarity on, um, on the supply issues and, and, of course, where tariffs come out and, uh, you know, whether or not that, that's going to, you know, how that's going to affect demand, if at all. One other key factor, uh, it looks like the Chinese – uh, who have, you know, they, they haven't yet said, they've said that crude and I think LNG, but crude and products for sure are going to be on the list on, on these tariffs, but they've already stopped lifting U.S. barrels. They were lifting up to 400,000 barrels a day. I think for August, they're down to zero um, by some of these tanker trackers, according to some of these tanker trackers. So, that's that's clearly another another thing to uh, to watch. But in the meantime, it looks like the market is is just chopping here, Marty. So the uh, fellow who was out there, I can't remember. I saw it on the news that is forecasting a hundred dollars a barrel between now and the end of the year. Yeah, he uh, he's taking a look at these as kind of wild cards that could actually really throw the balance into a tilt mode. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if Iran goes from exporting 2.3 million barrels a day to zero, although it won't be zero, but let's say it's 500 a day, you know, yeah. And certainly, you know, well, well, Libya's back, but, uh, um, you know, Libya too, uh, you know, their production can, uh, can fall off, the, fall, off the, fall off quickly as, as we saw last month. And uh, Venezuela's production continues to uh, decline. So, yeah, I think that's where he's coming up with the with the hundred. But you know, we've got to see. I I, I mean, I, it's hard for me to. I don't forecast the hundred, but um, you know, there's, there's clearly some constructive things that can uh, that can happen going forward. Well, thanks, Andy. That was terrific. Okay. Well, the, to wrap it up, Marty, you can. Find me on uh, my email is alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. Uh, the website is uh, commodityresearchgroup.com. Feel free to uh, visit us. And, uh, you know, any questions you have on, on this uh, podcast, you know, just reach out to me. And again, Marty Stetzer here in Houston. Uh, if you're interested in learning about, uh, more about the industry, Check us out at www.ektinteractive.com. Thanks very much for listening.